You're listening to the Brown Sign Project podcast. Do you spend hours creating your rotors and then spend days constantly adjusting them? We have the solution. At Staff Savvy, we specialize in shift schedules and timesheet solutions for visitor attractions. Easily manage multiple complex teams of permanent, casual, freelance and volunteer staff across different locations and disciplines. With fast communication features, automatic compliance tools, training management and simple timesheet tools, Staff Savvy has been used and trusted by organisations such as V&A Dundee, the Southbank Centre and the Royal Albert Hall, with great cost-saving benefits. Visit us at staffsavvy.com forward slash brown sign project to learn more and schedule a demo of our magic rotor button. Welcome to the Brown Sign Project, the podcast that talks to some of the most prestigious and entertaining voices in the tourism and attractions industry. I'm Carly Strawn. And I'm Carlton Gadgetar. In this episode, we're delighted to bring a conversation with you with an award-winning hotelier and customer experience expert, Ted Yates. In this episode, Ted's going to talk to us about how he got started in his career and share some great advice. He's a brilliant advocate for a person-centred approach that really drives his consultancy work. And we're going to get into the difference between managing situations and managing people, as well as the long-term benefits of just really going above and beyond your job description. We also hear Ted's view on pricing and technology developments in the future, and how we need to balance a great visitor experience with an increase of interpersonal environments. Of course, we need to give a massive thank you to our season sponsors, Staff Savvy and Retail Integration. And now, let's talk to Ted. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Brian Sound Project. Hello, Carly. How are you today? I'm very good. Thank you. I am all washed out from the rain, but I think for you and Dubai, that's probably not an issue. So, No, no rain. We did have rain a couple of days ago, but yeah, it's all nice and sunny and hot here, uh, which is great. Um, but enough about us. We've got a brilliant person today. Um, this gentleman is called Ted Yates. Hello, Ted. Hi, Carly. Hi, Carlton. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Excellent. So you can guess by his accent. He's not from the UK. He's actually from Florida um, and he's got a brilliant story to tell us about his career and what he uh, what he's done uh, throughout a couple of years. He's been in his industry. But before we do that, Ted, can you just give us a quick intro about what you do and, and not how you do it, but what you do? Sure. Yeah. So I um, I've spent most of my career in the hotel industry as a general manager for mainly independent properties. But today, uh, sort of post-pandemic, through uh, the path of becoming a stay-at-home dad and then having to figure out a little bit of a new career path, I am a hospitality consultant. So I help hotels and resorts fix operational headaches and make more money. And uh, uh, the other side of what I do is I help businesses that are not necessarily part of the hospitality industry, learn how they can incorporate hospitality principles into what they do to make their business better and serve their customers better. Excellent. I think, you know, we discussed just before we started recording that, you know, everything's hospitality if you look at it the right way, right? (laughs) That's right. We all need, we all have customers. We all need to satisfy them in a way that, you know, that they have fun and they enjoy their time with us and they go away happy. And I think that's a real, um, a real benefit to coming from a hospitality background you can turn those skills to any industry and, and find that um that works really well 
it's all about people at the end of the day right oh yeah absolutely we are yeah, we are an absolutely. industry of individuals 100 percent. so you obviously we know what you do now and we're going to talk a little bit about sort of the weaving of your career and definitely that you know your, your stay-at-home dad and your move to consulting and all that kind of stuff so it's like that's a really interesting career path generally um but where did you start so what did you do at school how did it prepare you for your career like where what's what's ted you know little ted doing on his way to becoming <laughs> who he is today so as a child, I was one of those kids, I think, that never really knew what he wanted to be when he grew up, but also at the same time wanted to be everything. So like at one point in time, it was doctor or lawyer, or I wanted to be a herpetologist at one point, which is somebody that studies reptiles and amphibians, just all sorts of, of weird things. I always liked um, and had a thirst for learning. When it came time to go off to college and make a real decision about what I wanted to study. I chose to get my bachelor's degree in world religions, believe it or not. Oh, which, wow. That's a, that's a, a new one for us. <laughs> yeah. It, well, it seems, yeah, it seems like a, a degree field that would not be very useful in, in a business role, but in reality, when you're studying world religions, what you're really studying is people. You're studying their worldview. You're studying how they form their worldview and how how it affects them every day. And you're often studying people that are very different from yourself. So I think having a basis in that field has really helped me understand people. And people are, are at the center of our industry, as, as we already talked about, whether it's people on my team or the guests that I'm hosting. Uh, and so that that's what I chose to study. And uh, it's been a, a big benefit to me today. And then um, I also have a master's degree in public administration, which I got uh, later on. And it really provided me with the foundational understanding of organizations. That's amazing. What a difference between your your undergrad study and your master's degree. <laughs> and what was the gap between those two? How how long did you leave between you going on to your master's? Because I think a lot of people assume, maybe incorrectly, that that's something that you need to go straight into and choose your field right from the beginning. Yeah, that certainly wasn't the case for me. I um, After graduation, I went to work for a nonprofit organization, uh, one of the, the largest in the world. Um, and uh, I could probably say the name. Uh, if not, you can edit it out. But <laughs> no, um, no, no. Was... Feel free to to name drop. <laughs> but I went to work for the Salvation Army um, in the in the United States. I was doing ministry and programs for them, uh, and it was actually through the Salvation Army that that I met Carlton. We worked at their summer camp together way back twenty some odd years ago, and uh, so so that's what I was doing after I graduated college. I was doing ministry for them. And uh, eventually that transitioned into a role as a program coordinator with a, a very large continuing care retirement community. Basically, my job was planning concerts and events and activities for the independent living residents. And it was during my time there that I sort of, I like to say, accidentally became a hotel general manager. I was 30 years old and I had just finished my, my master's degree because I knew I wanted to make a transition out of um, ministry and, and that field. And so I chose public administration because I've always been fascinated by organizations and how people work together to accomplish things. And when I finished that master's degree, 
the COO of the company called me into his office and he said, uh, look, we know you've just finished your degree. We know you want to move up into management. We don't really have anything right now, but we want to invest in you. We want to invest in your growth. And so we happen to own this 120 room hotel uh, that's been struggling and we're going to hire a management company to come in and manage it, but they're going to need a new general manager. And we think you ought to consider applying for the job. And I said, you know, I've, I've got no hotel experience. I mean, I've stayed in a few, but I've never worked in one before. And the COO essentially said to me, yeah, but we think you can do it. And so I discussed what, it with what them. a great endorsement to just say, yeah, we think you're probably capable of that. Like, yeah, I'm still not sure in retrospect if it was confidence in my ability or if it was just like an under table the way a way to get rid of me or what. But ultimately, I discussed it with my wife and decided we should take the leap. And so I interviewed for the position with this vice president of a hotel management company who had worked in hotels his entire life. Since he was 16, he'd done almost every job in a hotel that you could imagine. And here I am trying to impress him with literally zero experience. And I still don't know what I said to make him take a chance on me. I'm sure the fact that I had the backing of the hotel owner helped, um, but he did take a chance on me. And then there I was at the age of 30, walking through the doors of a hotel day one, with the title of general manager. I would Thanks. suggest though that my understanding of general management and again, you know, we're not talking about it's it's a good size hotel, but we're not talking a, a thousand room resort, right? Right. So it, it actually a general manager position in those is you, you're sort of king of everything, right? You're doing a bit of finance, a bit of marketing, a bit, you know, it must have been a great learning experience. Yeah, a bit of room cleaning, a bit of toilet plunging, a bit of window fixing, you know, it, yeah, literally everything. In fact, my first week on the job, I spent most of it learning how to clean a hotel room properly. Um, but walking through the doors day one with no experience as a general manager was actually in retrospect, a real benefit to me because the only way for me to look at every problem I encountered was through the perspective of a guest, because that's the only perspective I had. And it, it turns out that looking at things through that perspective is a pretty good way to make decisions in the hotel business. And so uh, ultimately we were able to kind of turn around that struggling hotel. And then that opportunity led to more opportunities with the same management company to take over other struggling larger resorts in places throughout Florida, Orlando, Daytona Beach, um, and turn around those hotels. And my last my last GM job was really as an area general manager over uh, two resorts, one in Tampa and one in Key Largo. And then in August of 21, due to the pandemic, uh, ended up becoming a stay-at-home dad for a while, uh, we have a three-year-old daughter. And so I made that decision to step into that role. And uh, now that's led to what I do now, which is consulting and helping other hotels turn around. Amazing. I imagine learning to clean hotels and you know all the stuff you've done about general management comes in really handy for managing a toddler. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> you, You're exactly right. It does. Yeah. It's a constant uh, process of trying to not just clean up after her, but also figuring out ways to delight her and make her happy, just like yeah. us. Very demanding guests, toddlers. That's right. Very demanding. <laughs> but you have the experience now, which is great. That's right, yeah. 
<laughs> Brilliant. Um, it's so fascinating just to kind of see what you've, how you started and now where you are now. Um, is there any kind of top tips that you can share with us um, of how to, to basically get into your industry? Because it was potentially, you know, you had no experience and yeah. someone's give, not given it to you, but, you know, gave you the confidence to say, you know what, try it and see how it goes. What, what would you be your top tips? Yeah, I, I think I'd start with, I don't know if it's a tip or not, but jump in. I mean, right now, today, I'm sure it's the same across the world. There's a labor shortage in our industry, whether it's hotels or attractions, all across tourism. And overcoming that is one of the things I help my clients with. But without getting into the reasons for the labor shortage, the important thing is that there has never been a better time to get into this industry. If you're someone who likes to give people great experiences and the idea of hotels or travel or attractions appeals to you, jump in, go for it. Uh, and then once you're in the industry, I think my, my tips would be, you know, number one, whatever it is your organization does, whether it's a hotel or attraction or even transportation, see yourself not just as somebody that shows up and punches a clock or like a cog in the wheel, but try to understand what the bigger mission is of your organization, because that's what's going to motivate you to go beyond your job description. I always say in hotels, we are not a job description industry. <laughs> we are a do whatever it takes industry. And that's what it takes to deliver really exceptional service. And so uh, I've told colleagues this, you know, if you ever wake up and you feel like you're just a cog in a wheel, or you feel like you want to uh, quiet quit, you know, as they call it today, find another job, you know, you owe it to yourself to find meaning in your work. And that's really what's going to lead you to opportunities in this industry is going above and beyond. Yeah. I think your your thing of like quiet quitting there is quite interesting because I think it's been seen or at least portrayed as a negative part of of having a job. And I would say, well, actually, there's lots of negatives to having a job. Like, would any of us necessarily get up and go to work unless it required a paycheck? And I think some of us would say, well, we might do something slightly different or, you know, we'd, we'd love to follow a passion or whatever it might be. But also, like, yeah, like you said, we do owe it to ourselves to not be stuck in a job that makes us miserable or that doesn't feel like we're having an impact. I think it does really benefit people to to not feel like they're just wasted. You know, they're wasting their precious time and resources and doing a job they don't want to do. Yeah, you spend so much of, of your waking hours at a job. Most of us do anyway. Um, you really owe it to yourself and your family to do something that inspires you to something greater than that paycheck. Introducing Meridian Experience from Retail Integration, the leading multi-channel ticketing, retail and membership system for visitor attractions. Working with visitor attractions for over 25 years, Retail Integration have developed the ultimate solution that enables some of Ireland's leading visitor attractions manage every aspect of their business, from ticketing and admissions to merchandising, food and loyalty programs in one single system. Customer experience is at the heart of what we do. Contact us today and let retail integration help you to exceed visitor expectations. We listen, we develop, we deliver. You've been a general manager. You've been hired as well. 
Um, what do you think makes a great leader, Ted? I think leadership, really in all kinds of organizations, is all about balancing freedom with structure and boundaries. So like, I think human beings really thrive in situations where they have proper structure and boundaries. So their basic needs of safety and security are met, but they also have the freedom to make their job personal. I once told a colleague that I thought micromanagement was a good thing, but only micromanagement of situations, not people. And so in, in my industry, I think what that means is, you know, you provide standard operating procedures as the leader so your team knows what to do in situations, but then you've got to empower them and trust them to have the freedom to decide how they provide the creative, personalized service. I'll give you a really simple example of that. You know, at all of our front desks, we have front desk scripts, so to speak, and they're not scripts like you say every word and you sound robotic, but they're you know, here are the points you need to cover. And if you cover them in this order, it'll be most efficient for the guest at check-in. But we also expect them to make a personal connection with every guest. And so one of the ways that, you know, I've done that as a leader is we develop these, I call them frames. They're little frames. And on each picture frame, it tells, you know, not just the employee's name and where they come from, but interesting facts about them. You know, my favorite animal is, if I had a superpower, it would be whatever. All of my resorts have been in Florida. So we include the question, you know, my favorite Florida memory is. And the idea is that, you know, they show up to work, they're in their uniform, they have their name tag and they have their frame. And that sits on the counter right next to their computer. And hopefully that sparks a personal connection with every guest. It's a structured process but it's designed to empower them to make each experience more personal. And then the other part of leadership that I think is, is really important is that it's the leader's job and it's only the leader's job to define the culture of the organization. And then once that's defined, it's job to continually help everyone in the team to see that they are a part of a mission that's bigger than themselves and that that mission is worth their best effort when they get up every day. And I think when you do that the right way, you're not just helping your organization be its best, but you help each individual person on your team and your guests be their best selves as well. Yeah, I think that's super important. The, the, the people in our industry, I think, get a bit of a bum deal sometimes because it's seen as maybe, you know, not a not a career choice or, you know, especially our frontline employees that, you know, they have to deal with difficult guests. They have to deal with, you know, the the, the stuff that just gets thrown at <laughs> front desk employees in every industry. And I think you want them to sort of take pride in their job because that enables them to sort of make better decisions for themselves and for the business. And if you just say to people, well, you know, here's the list of things that you've got to do today. And, you know, you're not going to inspire anybody, I think. And, and you're going to make their job harder because they're not going to see the, the output of it. It's really important. That's right. Yeah, we all want to have, I think, a sense of ownership in what we do. And yeah. so when a, when a leader establishes that overall mission and vision that's inspiring to their team members, you know, that, that's when you, when you really see that performance skyrocket and, and, and everybody's happiness increase. Yeah, definitely. As you mentioned, we were to summer camp together 
um long moons ago 20 something years ago yeah um and i want to find out how has your leadership experience um been has that camp experience molded that of giving you some tools to start that off or was it kind of a different experience that you've got from summer camp and a different experience at hotels yeah that's a great question i think um you know no matter what your first job is and that was that was very on early on in my life that job as a head counselor at a camp um whatever your first job is i think you always kind of take certain nuggets and things from that, what to do, what not to do, and what not into your future career. Um, but, you know, as a, as a summer camp head counselor, it was, it was a leadership role, and it was probably the first real leadership role with responsibility that I ever had in my life. And because of the nature of the role, right, you're, you're dealing with what I would call kind of the nuts and bolts of every day, right? We got to get this cabin from the pool to the bathhouse on time. And we got to make sure the evening program goes on off without a hitch. And, you know, oh shoot, this thing's broken. So we've, we've got to come up with a, with another solution. But you also learn as a leader, how much you have to care for the individuals on your team. And a big part of my role as head counselor, looking back, was um, helping to motivate and encourage and be a support system to head counselors who, you know, were dirty and sweaty and tired and had just been thrown up on or what, whatever had just happened. And I, I think, you know, while hopefully you don't have very many employees that, that get bid or thrown up on throughout their day, um, the idea of you as a leader having to provide that sort of almost ministerial aspect to your job, um, I, th I think that's that's really important. You know, it, it motivates people and it helps them want to come to work every day and not just work for you, but work with you. Yeah, I remember all the amazing memories we had, especially the kids that we interact with. But again, I was a head counselor as well. I think I took over from you uh, for a couple of years. And um, same, it's all about supporting and just showing empathy because what's interesting about it is we were counsellors and we moved up into the leadership position so we could understand exactly what the counsellor is doing. And that comes in our industry as well, you know, we've been for example i've been a host at a museum and i've been up in leadership i know exactly how they feel in that and that's so invaluable experience i think that's also one of the keys to success in our industry like long-term success from my own story you know showing up day one as a general manager and having to look at everything through the eyes of a guest you know like it's easy in the hotel industry, the more you grow and the more responsibility you have to lose that perspective. It really is. And, and fall into the sort of, well, in our industry, we do it this way. We've always done it that way. Instead of looking at everything as fresh and new in the same way that a guest would look at that. And if you can go through your career and not lose that perspective, that's going to lead to a lot of success, I think. Yeah, the um, one of my old 
colleagues and I don't know maybe this is he's from Florida too so maybe it's a, a Floridian saying but he has the the butt waddy which is because that's the way we've always done it you know and it's like you everybody has the butt waddy in their business you know of like well you know do we want to do we want to change or do we want to just kind of keep trucking in the same direction and uh, I think it's very easy to fall into that and the longer you're in an industry obviously the the sort of more the the butt waddy creeps in and uh <laughs> You sort of get stuck yeah. in that that same mindset as everyone else, and you need a bit of a fresh perspective. Absolutely. Um, so, we talked about kind of what what you think is really important in there. But if we were talking again about young young Ted and he's starting on his on his career path journey, um, what would you say to yourself or to to other people sort of looking at the industry as actually? What do you need for success in this? And I think we touched on it a little bit just now in terms of what the things that you can spot in people quite early on in their careers where you think that person's going to succeed in this. This person is, you know, has the right mentality or whatever it might be. What do you what do you think that looks like? I think the way in which people I hope this sort of translates and makes sense. The way people treat their peers people that are on the same level of them at the organization is really key. Um, I think the temptation for all of us is to try to impress the boss and the top people because they're the people that do your annual review and whatnot. But I think what you find out in life, at least I have, is that when you invest in relationships with your peers and you invest, regardless of, of which department you're in even, in helping them and going beyond your job description to make everybody's job easier, I think that really helps you find success later on in your career. I have found that people who you are peers with, if you earn their respect, everyone in the organization sees that respect. And it's that respect that leads to future promotions and opportunities. And even, I mean, think think about this, right? Like Carlton and I were peers 23 years ago at a summer camp. And now I get to be a guest on his podcast and share my ideas with an audience on the other side of the globe. I mean, it, it's just, it's crazy how those kind of things happen. Yeah. But really, that would be one piece of advice I would give is just invest in those relationships with your peers more so than you try to impress, you know, whoever you think is in charge and whoever's at the, at the top. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we talked about the past, about young Ted and 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 all the stuff that you've done as as your career's progressed. And we're going to talk now about kind of a bit of crystal ball gazing and what the future might look like. Um, do you think there is a change in your industry? Do you how do you see the kind of the next five to ten years of one, the consulting work that you're doing changing, but also how the industry is going to change potentially. Yeah, I, I think we've seen a lot of changes in the hotel industry recently, um, you know, with the rise of the sharing economy and vacation rentals and also kind of like the hyper personalization of guest service. Um, we've seen that first in boutique hotels and independent hotels because they kind of had to. But then we've seen like the big brands start to try to do that as well. And I think specifically in the next five to 10 years, you're going to continue to see the rise of that like hyper personalization of guest service. Um, and as a part of that, one of the things you're going to see is the rise of what I call amenities based pricing. I think I think that's kind of the term that our industry has adopted. And what that means is 
for those that don't know, is um, you would pay like a basic price for your hotel room. And then you would get to choose the amenities that you want and then pay for just those amenities on top of your base price. Think of like those bargain airfare airline companies, right? Where you might pay 30 or $40 just for a basic airline ticket. And then you'd pay separately if you want to check a bag or choose your seat or board early or whatever. I think we'll see that come into hotels and then it'll be an interesting path to see hotels choose either that route or a more all-inclusive one price route. I think you'll see that demarcation happen in the industry. And then the other thing that I think we'll see from a technological standpoint is um, we'll, with the rise of blockchain and smart contracts, what you're going to see is you're going to see in the not too distant future, a time where instead of calling a hotel directly and having a personal experience of booking that hotel or even going to a travel agent or a website to book a hotel. You're going to go into a smart contract program. You're going to pay with cryptocurrency. You're going to get a token and that token's going to completely register you for that hotel and open your hotel room door. And I bring that up because it's easy to imagine, right? If that's the future, that that is very impersonal. But I think the leaders of the hotel industry tomorrow and the hotel brands that are really going to succeed are going to be the ones who figure out how to still provide amazing personal service in that increasingly impersonal world. Um, I think I think that's sort of the dichotomy that we're walking into our world's getting more impersonal, but we work in an, in an industry that at its root is personal. So yeah. how do we balance that? And I'm a big believer in using technology to do the stuff that a human can't, you know, like, or that mm. a human shouldn't be doing right. Because there's loads of personal stuff that a human can be doing, but their time's being taken up with, you know, checking someone in and giving them a key card, which actually, you know, doesn't necessarily need to be done that way so I really like the idea of we could free up people to be actually more personal by taking away some of the jobs that are actually pretty boring you know it's just and I think for a example of that that people might be um familiar with because that's what it made me think of is like the Disney magic band you know so you that gets mailed to your house it has your tickets on it has your door key on it but if you stay in a resort So when I turn up, I don't have to check in. I know which room I'm in and I go straight there and I use my magic band to to pass that. I love that I'm doing, I'm doing the arm movements as I do this. So to everybody listening to the podcast, (laughs) I apologize, but imagine that you're wearing a wrist, a wristwatch or an Apple smartwatch. Um, And that's, you know, that will open your hotel room and it will do all this other stuff for you. But actually what that frees, you know, nobody would say, oh, it's impersonal to stay in a Disney World hotel. It's quite the opposite. You know, they're, they're doing the things that actually humans are really good at and they're getting mm-hmm. rid of the things that actually humans just take their time kind of doing. I think it's a really nice example. Yeah, I think also when you, you guys are talking, it reminded me of the movie John Wick and the hotel that he goes into where he's got his token, he gives a token, and then he has that kind of personal experience because everybody in that hotel is basically looking after John Wick, 
in in all ways on that so that's quite quite interesting um that you raise that out head yeah that is I, i've never seen it and you actually just made me think <sighs> of um the truman show and then that's a whole other different <laughs> yeah i'm not really a movie person i'll have to check that out <laughs> oh the truman yeah the truman show if you've never seen it is um yeah, it's amazing. And I've never seen John Wick, but I'm assuming it's equally as good. John Wick is amazing as well. <laughs> okay. Absolutely amazing. But we're, we're not about movies on this podcast. <laughs> we are sometimes yeah. about movies. That's just a, yeah. just a bonus for tuning in. It is, it is a bonus. Um, Ted, thank you so much for taking your time and, and sharing all this information with us. Um, before you go, can you just let, let our listeners know how we can reach out to you on a digital level? Sure, yeah. If you wouldn't mind, before I do that, I, I'd like to share a quick story. Yeah, um, absolutely. Please do. So on my first day as this new hotel manager with zero experience, as you can imagine, that came with quite a lot of anxiety and fear. And my first meeting on my first day was with this really seasoned revenue manager who in a lot of ways ended up becoming like a mentor to me and an inspiration to me in the industry. And he knew I had zero experience and I knew he had a lifetime of experience. And we both knew that this job was, was came with some huge expectations. And all of that was just totally overwhelming to me. And the first words he said to me that day were, you are the right person for this job. And it's hard for me to put into words, even, even today, to tell you what that meant to me and what it has meant to me throughout my career. And I know you, you have listeners who may feel overwhelmed in their job, or they might be pursuing a new role or even a new industry. And I, I totally empathize with the anxiety and fear that comes with that. Um, so for kind of my last tip or piece of advice, I wanted to leave your listeners with those words. You know, when you feel overwhelmed or you feel like the role is too big, or you think you're not ready for the promotion that you've just been given, remember, you are the right person for the job. So trust in that and go be great. That's lovely. Thank you. And you did just make me think, I bet having a toddler is equally that challenging. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably I didn't think someday. I was ready for that either <laughs> yeah and and I would you know we 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 joke a lot on the podcast about you, there's never a good time to to do the scary thing right there's never right. a you'll never be ready if you just wait around until the right promotion or the right job or whatever you will never be ready and I'm sure if you thought you know am I ready to be a stay-at-home dad or am I ready to launch my own consulting business or whatever it might be there are there's never one time that you do that. You will continue to do that in your life, in your career, and take on things that maybe you don't know you're capable of, but you will be. And I think that's a, a really great piece of advice. Well, thank you so much, Ted, for that. It was great, great to hear your viewpoints, your experiences, um, and sharing that with everybody. Um, but before we go, um, how can we find you? Where can we find you on the digital world? Sure. So on all social media, my handle is my name, at Ted Yates, which is a weird spelling. My last name is spelled Y-E-A-T-T-S. 
my main platform is LinkedIn. I post content uh, regularly on there. So I'd invite everybody to follow me and, and um, connect with me on LinkedIn. And then my website is my name as well. It's tedyates.com. Uh, you can find out more about my consulting services and, and business coaching uh, there. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us. Absolute pleasure seeing you. Um, I know you, our listeners can't see you, but we, we can see you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, thank you so much for taking the time. And we'll hopefully see you next time. Yeah, thank you guys so much. You're very welcome. Thanks, Ed. Thanks again for listening to The Brown Time Project. In our next episode, we're going to talk to Phil Royal, the Divisional Director of Legoland Global Experiences and Standards. And thanks, as always, to our series sponsors, Staff Savvy and Retail Integration. The Brown Sign Project is edited by Paul Tyler. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at Brown Sign Pod, and you can also find us on LinkedIn. <laughs>